With so much flat track and hooliganry in general going on this weekend in the motorcycle world, I hope you're in the mood for a good flat track slash hooligan episode. Let's get into it. Number 74. Welcome to the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast, the internet's home for motorcycle mediocrity. Your host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. My skin met the asphalt. But these new new ways kit my... All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. The victims. I mean, guests. It's usually such a horribly set up bike. It's a cafe racer with alloy manks racing tank. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Yeah. You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Long hours in the uncomfortable seat. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. Um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? I don't have it perfected. I have to stop talking shit. My wife's like... You're 41 and started a race career. Yes, I am guest number 632. As big as motorcycle entry is, very few people have actually ever even laid eyeballs on a Confederate. I thought it was a good book. I, I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to know what happened next, but it was not my typical genre. <laughs> I'm Cammie, um, and I'm, I guess, one of the leaders. <laughs> and I'm Nikki, and I'm one of the leaders. Part of the thing with moving racing is... Bikes are so big and the motors are so big that most of the time are my issues. Keep your knees in the freezer and the cheddar in your cheese. Time to get weird with creative writing. Hey, 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 it is time to get crazy with creative writing, but it's like a podcast. I'm a real boy. <laughs> I am a real boy and I'm real cranked up for this episode. It's Friday, everybody. Friday. You know what that means? Racing, not so much at Wisconsin International Raceway, but all around the United States for sure at least, and uh, some international racing as well. We'll get into that in just a moment, but before we do, let's wrap up last week's action at Wisconsin International Raceway. Now, I pumped that up, and that was a crazy exciting event, but it only got cut short by rain and a horrendous accident that occurred, luckily, not in the WIR's Top 10 Bikes class. But let's take a peek at the standings after the first round of racing and uh, talk some insider blab blab about maybe what, what went down. Insider blab blab, by the way, is the uh, uh, is an official way to say insider information and uh, club talk. So this Friday, there's going to be no racing action at WIR International Raceway, probably because I think it was a Camaro that slammed headfirst into the guardrail and wiped things out for the crew up there. There's going to be some repairs and stuff being made. It may have already been made, actually. A little bit of rain came in and washed out. They did get the first run, uh, round one runs done. With the rain and the disaster that set in, after one round, it was time for a legitimate taco party. A few of them are going to be at the Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on Saturday just for a playmate. But I think Chris Singsheim and Jason Goldmeyer are going to, you know, we got Nitrous Chris and Goldfinger there tangling antlers a little bit, if you want to want to call it that. Uh, so here's here's what ran went down. Uh, and, and from what I've heard before we get into the WIR action this week, uh, I guess, Goldmeyer, you still owe Chris some uh, chicken strips. Might want to pay up on that before you really get your wig split good. 
So leading up to the first round, Michelle has a call out on Guy Bellinger for number one. She's all tested and ready to rock and roll, but Guy has a brand new turbo and a new clutch setup. He had a couple failures already. He's not sure he's dialed in. So we'll see what happened there. Jason Goldmeyer's feeling pretty brave. He's calling Nitrous Chris Singsheim out off the trailer, but he had a transmission and case stud failure in testing, and it looked like he didn't get his parts in time. So Chris is going to be solo on a buy run for round one, and everybody below him is going to move up a spot. Preston had a head gasket oil leak on his bike, which is Betty White, and he had just done a fresh rebuild, so he had no test time yet. Big Body Jake had a head gasket fail on the dyno on his new bike, so he's back on the ZX14 to give it a try, do a little run in in that situation. Everybody's favorite Libra, the long flowing locks of Dustin Durant, had made some changes to Scrap Pile. Now, Scrap Pile was the code name for his bike because he was uh, getting Chris Singsheim's hand-me-down. So we'll see how that bike runs right off the line with some new changes to it. And Justin Howe is pretty much ready to rock. Dylan is going to have to hang on to a stock bike for as long as he can, and he's going to try to stay on both lists. Now, Chris Minich, he's hoping to get on the list by racing for the number 10 spot with Brian Skiba, but he's worried about his new bike being untested. He might pull off the list for a few races until he's got a little bit more uh, seat time on that thing. According to Chris Singsheim, his bike is rowdy as fuck, and it should do well. Busa John is trying to make it, but he may fall victim to the parts waiting game as well as Jason Goldmeyer. And there's also a nitrous shortage across the country. If you listened to last week's episode in the bloopers, you may have heard me screaming that if there's anybody that can find nitrous, it's nitrous Chris. And that's because this quote comes from Chris. I'm nitrous motherfucking Chris. I always find the Nas. So keep that in mind. Now, Let's fast forward to the racing action and see what actually went down on the track. So basically what happened was uh, Guy Bellinger, who was in the number one spot, had to pull out. his. He came off the list for at least a little while. He's stepping away. His uh, bike broke the clutch hub basically because what I heard, he was trying to be cheap. But he, you know, he was he was sitting there on the top and it was heartbreaking to watch the boards. And and here's how everything filters in on the Facebooks. If you're checking it live, it's kind of like a Twitter feed for a motocross event. You just see stuff start filling in, uh, filtering in and filtering in. And guys post to Michelle said, girl, you got it. All you got to do is hang on you know don't let anybody pass yet and that was just gut-wrenching to see number one's you know last year's number one falling off the list before he even had a chance to uh prove his test his metal prove himself so on and so forth so anyway that's why his clutch broke he couldn't make it so it's pulling off the list that means everybody shifts up one michelle gets to the top uh so she's sitting there in first place kind of got a buy i guess if you want to call it that uh goldmeyer jason goldmeyer was waiting on some parts he got his bike cobbled together at the last moment made it to the gate got his runs in that was pretty amazing to watch i mean it's one of those things where you couldn't have edited it better for tv where they're trying to get all the drama and and oh my god his part is it coming in and you know that on tv that stuff is crafted you know they carefully craft uh, everything just so that it looks good when they finally show up seconds before the green flag drops yada yada well this really happened to jason and he's throwing parts on his bike getting it back together had it all torn apart 
I think it took him two hours to throw it together and get to the track and made it to the starting line right before, you know, literally, you, like I said, you couldn't have done this better if you were a, a reality TV producer. So he got some stuff uh, together, getting it good and dialed in. And uh, Chris is kind of happy to see him coming up the list because I have a feeling that those two are going to be going back and forth. Uh, for the for the whole season, Michelle's being super consistent, making small changes. She's hoping to survive and, and uh, stay right on top until they get a big motor done. She's putting a 4,000 cc, I think it's 672 horsepower motor. They don't even make a tire yet that supports that, so she's getting that thing set up. But she's she's consistent and she's still on the top of the list. So that's all that counts. Uh, Jake Roberts and his ZX-12 turned out to have a ton of problems, but he's staying problem and getting it fixed. Uh, Minich blew up pretty big, but they almost have everything accounted for and they should be building a new uh, silver bullet for him in a few weeks when the cylinders get uh, back from plating. Busa John did good, but he was a bit surprised at the speed of the whole top 10. So uh, he came, even though he was kind of short-parted to finish his setup, he was foot shifting. He had no NOS. So he really was at a disadvantage already, but did pretty good. Uh, Preston still chasing some issues. Justin Howe is staying smooth. So aside from the last minute you know, parts debacles and things like that. Things were pretty cool. We had a few blowups and a few, you know, part shortages and stuff like that, but things went off and I cannot wait until round two comes out. Now, the the board stands like this for the top 10 bikes, uh, the senior class. We got Michelle at the top, Nitrous Chris in second, Jason in third, uh, Jake in fourth, Dustin in fifth, Justin in sixth, Dylan in seventh, Busa John in eighth, Preston in ninth, Ryan in tenth, and on deck we got Minich. At least that's how uh, I see things right now on their page. So in the WIR top 10 stock wheelbase bikes list, this is how I see the top 10 sitting right now with Jake Ross in the number one spot. And I believe he gets a buy on the first round of runs at the next race. In second spot, Mike Bell. Third spot, Dylan Pulley again. Fourth spot, Brian Seafelt. Sixth spot, or fifth spot, I'm sorry, Aaron Shu, the winner of our Solstice Slam. Uh, sixth spot is Matt Quirk. Seventh spot is Dylan Tidrich. Uh, eighth spot is Cody LaViolette. Ninth spot is Bojangles, which that's a great name, Mr. Bojangles. I don't think that's your real name, buddy. And there seems to be a 10th spot vacancy. We already have some stuff heating up, too. Nitrous Chris is saying he's going to call out Michelle at the next round. Michelle's like, hey, if he wins, can I call her back? Jason Goldmeyer's sitting there patting his belly in third spot saying, I'm waiting for you, girl. So we're going to see how things uh, match up. I'm super excited for the next round of racing. It should be back in a couple weeks. So that is how things wrapped up that's how things are sitting currently if you would like to go and see some of the smack talk the taco talk and or maybe sponsor them with some doritos and taco recipes uh you can go to the wir's top 10 bikes facebook page look that up on facebook you'll notice that the the uh, banner photo is a smiling smorgasbord of all the faces of everybody who's uh, trying to stay on the list and trying to keep their sanity now that the winter's over and racing can begin. Hopefully we don't blow up. All right, everybody, you may have heard a little clip in the new intro that came out this week, and I want to play some of that for you right now because we have a guest for this episode. 
But what the Harley Hooligan stuff boils down to is they give us a list of races and they basically pay for our bikes to get out there and pay for our bodies to get out there. Um, they give you bikes? No, no, they don't give us, well actually I take that back, they gave uh, every team a Street 750. Um, they should all be ready for the Born Free race the Thursday before the Born Free show. But uh, my Sportster's, my Sportster's actually yeah. the same Sportster I started on and it's just, I call it Trusty Rusty because it just it runs <laughs> and it, it does what I need it to do so there's no point in changing it. Alright, so you can tell right there that there was a little bit of wind. We were recording out in the wild, and uh, it was very, very windy. This is an interview from Tracker Cross, which took place a couple weekends ago, and we'll get into that in a second. Right now, I want to talk about a dear friend of the show, Daily Bikers. Hey, are you looking for something cool that's motor-related? Are you looking for an awesome ride blog from Down Under? Are you looking for a piece of moto art? Perhaps a journal? Perhaps even something to hang on your wall? Well, Daily Bikers has it all. If you go to dailybikers.com, you will not only find gear reviews, ride reports, you will also find that cool moto swag that only Daily Biker Dan can provide. Now, Dan was a guest on episode 29 of the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, but that doesn't mean I'm biased. The way I found out about Dan is exploring his blog and exploring his store. You can find him online at Etsy as Daily Bikers. You can find him anywhere in the social medias if you look up Daily Bikers or just head over to dailybikers.com. You can check out the ride reports, the gear reviews, the shop. You can look at everything Dan-related and find out for yourself just what a bike nut Dan is. And Dan, thank you so much for creating stuff like the coloring book, the adult motorcycle coloring book. And my personal favorite that I purchased just for the show use is the journal that I keep show notes in every day. I love writing down on paper and this journal has an exquisite feel. So thanks, Dan, for all that you've done for the show. And here's back at you, kid. Dailybikers.com. So I decided to keep some of the wind noise in with my guest. There's just no getting around it, and I'm sorry for the quality of the sound. But let's jump right in here to the interview and get to the first question. How long have you been riding? Uh, motorcycles, seriously, since I was like 19, but honestly, since I was a little kid. I grew up around bikes. Um, my parents got a divorce, so I threw a wrench in for a few years. But yeah, um, I got a street bike again when I was 19. Somehow made it through my early 20s on a cross rocket, and I, I didn't die, so um, that was magic. And now I'm old man doing this stuff. So who is this quote old man doing quote this stuff? First off, you heard us talking about Harley Hooligan racing earlier, so let's define a hooligan. If you look up on Urban Dictionary, I think it's the English or British definition because it says it's a thug who goes to football matches and starts fights with opposing supporters, symbolized by a Burberry hat, a Stone Island jacket, and Lacoste trainers, right? With tight-fitted Adidas or Nike trousers, and he can have a Stella or a brick in his hand. So this is definitely not that type of hooligan, but even a Merriam-Webster dictionary defines a hooligan as a young man who does noisy and violent things as part of a group or a gang. 
I guess in that sort of way, if you consider violent and noisy things, riding a violent motorcycle that's hard to control, and the gang as part of a group of other racers, we could probably define this fella as a hooligan. He's definitely a hooligan racer at heart, and I think he should take it away himself and explain to you who he is and what he does and why he's here on the show today. Oh, that should be official. So my name is Chris Wiggins, and I race hooligan flat track motorcycles, which is essentially a stock frame motorcycle, supposed to be over 750 cc's, supposed to be a V-twin, or I'm okay with more, dude. If you got a CB900 and you want to come <laughs> race it, I'm all for it. Stock frame. Uh, we cut a couple things off of them, but we don't change the head angle. We don't change the shock mounts. The heavy cast iron tubing with chromoly like they're pretty stout my bike is 430 440 pounds something like that i mean it's they're definitely heavy um yeah. dude i seen a guy out there that looked like he was 440 pounds yeah so. on the xr 1200 man that dude was ripping it yeah uh, yeah i'm not like i'm not the skinniest guy out there either so so is yours a 750 or is yours a 12 uh, what I was on today is a Swerser 1200. It's a 94-1200, yeah. Um, I have a XG750, but right now it looks like an XG750. So it's getting it's getting 19-inch wheels, getting an 800 kit, and a little bit more work. So, But uh, I should have an XG pretty soon. They're, they're pretty good bikes. The Sporties are just good, solid bikes. And we just like, like my bike, especially for myself, it's like I've ridden it and I've had it. And I've ridden it so much and had it for so long, it's like it's hard to switch to a new bike and be unsure about it. So, so there you heard it. We have a little bit of wind noise. It was we're like in a tornado. You'll hear us probably bring it up a couple times in our conversation. I forgot my windsock and I was basically using my hat. You know, I had like a mesh trucker hat and I was using the foam front of that to block the wind and the mesh part to talk to Chris through. So we did pretty good and he he rolled right along with it and uh he we never quit talking bikes. This guy is so much fun to talk to. Tonight as the show goes out, he's going to be over in Arizona at the Battle for the Buckeye, which is a Ivy League event. And so if you're going to be over there, please check him out, uh, tell him you heard him on the show and you know, throw a beer his way maybe. So let's get back to our interview with Chris Wiggins. Part of the thing with hooligan racing is the bikes are so big and the motors are so big that most of the time power is not an issue. It's all about like finesse of the throttle and finesse of this big heavy bike, um, which is cool because I think in the Harley industry, like a lot of stuff, but you know, guys want to hot rod their motors out, dude. They yeah. want they want big cams and they want big compression and they want CCs and they want to go fast and. It was kind of a cool like thing for us because you could have a big cam and you can have a big hot rod motor and it doesn't mean you're gonna be able to ride it fast. Yeah. So it was kind of fun. It also helped take uh, money out of the issue. Um, I just did a motor rebuild and I did a good quality rebuild, but and I, I had head work done, but there was nothing like super fancy or trick, nothing hot rod, nothing like compression's pretty well stock. Um, and when we're out here in a little track like this that's like dusty and dry, yeah. you don't need it. You don't need a lot of power. Like you're spinning the tire as much as you want anyway, so it it doesn't do you any good. Um, actually, a lot of the guys we rode with, they started detuning their bikes. They'd have a big low B cam in it, and it was like a light switch out of the corner, and they couldn't come out of a corner very well. Yeah. So they put a mild cam in or a stop cam back in. Um, 
Yeah, most of the guys are racing 1200s in the hooligan class, correct? Yeah. And, and I noticed that the 750s just kind of made recently, obviously they weren't even around a few years ago, yeah. so recently they started making an, uh, an appearance and is are, are guys still running 1200s in the hooligan class or, or a lot of guys are still running i don't even want to say a 1200 there's a decent amount of 883s out there um and I, i've ridden an 883 so if someone's listening and you have an 883 don't be afraid to go race um you can do it like you ride it a little bit different you rev it a little bit harder than a 1200 but you can keep up with a 1200 if you're not keeping up with your buddy on a 1200 it's not because you're on an 883 i will give you that um <laughs> But yeah, so most bikes are still Sportsters. I I bought mine off a friend of mine that owns a junkyard in the Midwest, and I drove home for my sister's wedding, and I, I brought it out, and I paid two grand for it. Um, California prices, actually, we got a buddy in Milwaukee that spent $700 on a bike. Um, California prices, you're like three grand, 3,500 bucks. But, um, you know, a Street 750, they're, if you find a wrecked one, they're still five or six grand. And the parts and stuff for them are harder to come by. It's definitely gonna take a little bit more time converting it. Or I feel like the sporty is pretty well ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, let's, uh, well, first off, before we get a, well, maybe not a perfectly good bike, but a wrecked bike and start, and start uh, we can run down through the parts, but why would you wanna race a hooligan class? Why, like, what's appealing to you about this class versus most other classes um i i feel like this class started as a bad idea and i feel like a lot of the guys that we race with are uh if you look at them like they're full of bad ideas um so i mean to me <laughs> to me that's definitely part of it uh why would you because you're dumb yeah no but i mean <laughs> It's getting to the point now it's kind of changing, but you know, when this kind of started, like anyone could go buy a 450 and set it up for flat track and go race flat track. And uh, as much as personally I like that and I admire that, and as much as I'm not very fast on a 450, um, so I want to ride one more, but there's something about just like, you know, you never fit in. Like you, you just, now you can not fit in at flat track too. But the opposite side of that is like, we're kind of the cool kids right now too. Yeah, um, which isn't much my thing. I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and everybody's starting to cover flat track because of Indian getting back into it, which kind of is nice. Yeah. Nice that they, uh, you know, uh, it's funny because it was like NASCAR where it kind of dropped off the face of the earth for a while there, and then it's been making a huge comeback, partially because Indian. But then you look, and there's so many other manufacturers in pro flat track. But I mean, for this hooligan stuff, most of them, like you said, I, most of everything I've seen is Harley based. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a bad idea, but it's a good bad idea. Yeah. And you have to remember, so about me, I grew up, man, my dad, I mean, to this day, my dad's got a Honda Goldwing. Like my dad's in a way bad mouth Harleys his whole life. And I can't totally disagree with his reasoning, but what he's missing on um, is like, there's something about a Harley, man. It's like you love your bike. And I've I've had a lot of motorcycles, and I do really, really regret getting rid of my Honda RC51. Yeah. But I've had like a CBR929, a CBR600, and it's like, oh yeah, whatever, cool. Uh, I just bought an older Ducati S2R, and I'm gonna ride it for a while, and then I'll probably sell it. Yeah. Um, and with Harleys, it's so hard to get rid of your bike. It's your <laughs> bike. 
And it's no huh. different. I mean, it's no different than any guy doing going and buying a, a Honda and doing the same thing. Like you put the miles on it, but it's just weird. Uh, but good for them. Kudos to them. I mean, I think Harley's biggest challenge is how do you change but stay the same? Yeah. Honestly, since I work in the, that industry specifically, I've seen they modif- they morphed into a cruiser company, and then they've been yeah. trying to shuck that off for the past. Because because some of the people that are growing up aren't cruiser guys and and yeah. a lot of people are bad mouthing the xgs because they're small and it's like listen harley was 750 for a long time when they first started out they raced they had a lot yeah. of 750s and if you look at these bikes specifically the roadster 1200 and the xg they almost look like they're making a factory hooligan bike you know what i mean to a point uh, i definitely agree with that i will say this about the xg americans hate on it but if you look at harley numbers that bike wasn't built for us. It wasn't designed for us. It has nothing to do with the United States. Not that they don't want to sell it here, but it sells a ton of motorcycles in India. Um, I will say this. Hopefully no one from Sirius Harley hears. I'm still to this day bummed that Harley got rid of Eric Buell. Uh, I actually, I'm work in the works right now to get an XB1200 to make my commuter canyon bike. Such a innovative beautiful motorcycle by a genius of a man but and in my younger days i wouldn't necessarily thought this way either you know when i had a cbr that made 130 horsepower at the ground like why would i want a mule and now it's like i want a mule so i can go spank those 130 horsepower bikes in the canyon but he did so much cool innovative stuff with you know with the power plant for the most part that harley gave him like how cool would it be now to have that XG750 and something that Buell designed. I think it could be a great motorcycle. And I I think numbers-wise, I think bean counter-wise, the Buell was not a great bike. It didn't sell what they wanted it to sell. But I still believe that it's a demographic of people buying Harleys that wouldn't usually buy Harleys. Yeah, absolutely. I know some people that worked at a Harley dealership and they hated when Buells came in. They didn't want to work on them, even though it's a Harley motor. Yeah. But then the Buell... Buellistas, Jesus man. Yeah, it's been windy. Yeah, the Buellistas. Uh, we're we're gonna we're definitely gonna get together uh, some other point in time and, and we'll talk again. Yeah. I don't even know actually if, if this would have been protected by my wind thing because it's it's really windy out here, guys. It is. Um, but yeah, a lot of people that have Buells are live and die. You know, they love them. The, yeah. the Yuli was a really popular bike, and I really like the uh, the XB12s. You know, yeah. what I mean, those things were bitching. And I went to Glendale once and saw up there they had a couple of the Buell race bikes, and I think the Cretans in LA might have a couple Buell race bikes. Okay. And the XR1200s I loved because they kind of look like these. Mm-hmm. They kind of look like flat track bikes. And uh, what a sh- it was such a short lived bike, and I don't know why. Yeah. Um, because like you like you said because the Harley guys don't want they, they don't want that. Yeah. And to me, the XR1200, it was good for Harley with Harley's name, but personally, if I was gonna go buy one of the two, the Buell was lighter, the Buell handled a little better. Um, yeah, and there's something about it. I mean, both of them were fast as shit. I mean, for what they were, uh, you know, Buell really, he took a motor that made, what, 65 horse stock and made almost 100 horse out of it. And it was great, you know, lighten the crank up, and it's a fun, like, if you ride canyons, it's a fun, throaty V-twin. But it's not going to rip 150 like a like a CBR 1000 or something, but you don't need that. And if you are if you ride canyons and you ride track a lot, 
but you're not racing and you're a little older, like you can go rip and show dudes what's up with 75 or 80 horse and yeah. it's super fun. Yeah. Um, well, and a lot of these guys that talk Harley power, those shit, the, the Milwaukee, the, the new Milwaukee eight is like yeah. 114 cubic inch, but it's only putting down like, I don't know, like 88 horsepower stock, you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, it, it's a, it's a whole different world you're talking about when yeah. you're talking about one dimension versus the other and riding a bike that was designed for this yeah. versus just cruising, you know? Yeah, I mean, I go back to, I've ridden my my dad's uh, 1800 Goldwing, and if you want a motorcycle to, to go ride across the country, there's comfort and handling-wise, there's probably not a better bike on the market. But if you also want to be cool while you're doing it, <laughs> you're going to get a Harley, man. There's like, way better bikes yeah. to be doing it. <laughs> and, and part of it, I mean, part of part of long rides like that is the suffering like i've i did a few years ago it could be a totally other podcast man i did a i did basically a lap around the country on my dyna i took a month off work i literally took four weeks off work the furthest point from here that i went was portland maine i put 9700 miles on my dyna in a month that that is literally about the farthest you can get from where we are right now yeah um we could have went up yeah like 100 miles further but that's about it um but it was it was awesome, and honestly, the the best time that I had was being in the middle of nowhere on my bike by myself with no one else around, and just like riding. Like I did a lot of freeway miles because I was crunched for time, but it sucks when you have a month trip and you're like yeah. crunched for time. But <laughs> but still, I mean, you just like you hurt and you're sore and it's late and you get a cheap ass hotel and you shower and you hopefully have clean underwear and clean socks and probably nothing else clean, and you hit the road again, um, and it's. It's fun. It's like free. I know as a motorcycle rider, it's, it's like finding yourself. Like it's peaceful. Um, you know, I, I'm sure not everyone would feel the same way. Um, but it's almost like the suffering is part of it. You know, like it's gotta hurt. Like, yeah, I had a fairing on my Dyna, like not a huge, I had like a little nest club fairing, but, um, it's just, it's like amazing. It's, it's, that's kind of part of it. Um, and the sporties are the same way. Like with our racing, I think a lot of what att- attracted the fans was something that even professional flat track is losing on is that we were on total production bikes that they, that not only could you go get a lot of them, excuse me, a lot of them had, you know? Um, I can't tell you how many old men were like, oh man, I got this sporty sitting back in my garage. I'm like, race it, like, yeah. it's ready. like. You know, um, I'm actually doing, I'm gonna promote myself here, I guess. Go for it. I'm actually um, promoting a race in Santa Maria Raceway, September 23rd. And uh, like Butcher, like today's event that we're at, um, I wanted to I wanted to make it about the class and about the riders and about what we've been doing. I wanted to make it, uh, we almost literally called it a hooligan celebration, but I'm like, who calls a race a celebration? <laughs> so we're gonna call it the hooligan shootout, but um, I don't know, I'm still torn. Like, I, yeah. I want it to celebrate people that have came out and did it and um, are racing, um, mm-hmm. whether you've been doing it for three or four years or whether you've been doing it for a month. Like, you know, our numbers have just multiplied every time we hit the track, and it's absolutely insane and amazing. And it's growth that I feel like no other form of racing has seen since, what, post-World War II. I mean, really, I mean, dude, we'll do a race, I can't tell you, you know, it was like, oh, there's three of us. Oh, there's six of us. Oh, there's 20 of us. 
oh holy shit there's 50 guys out here <laughs> and it's like it's awesome you know it's it's absolutely great um so at that race what i'm doing to get more people out um one we do have a purse and uh i you know today i got second place um i'm screwing myself with this too the purse is going to be spread out to hopefully every single rider oh wow like i'm trying to cover entry fee for everyone uh first of all i don't want i don't want you to lose 200 dollars because one dude passed you or i don't want you to have to dive bomb someone and just like elbow them out of the way because it's 200 dollars more you can win like it it changes the attitude in the pits and it made it less fun um and i'm also doing a class that i'm personally really excited about and after watching the run what you run guys today it reminded me why i'm so excited I'm doing a hooligan street class where you have to run dot tires yeah. um so now like the game is if you have a sportster in your garage that runs you now have a race bike that's it it's ready you don't need a 19 inch wheel you don't need dirt track tires you don't need nothing like your bike's ready like there's a dude today killing it he beat all the other bikes except a like XR 150 in the heat, and I think he got second or third, including that bike in his main. He had forward controls and ape hangers on his Sportster, <laughs> um, and was sending it. And in practice, he about high sided. I gave him a little pep talk about throttle control, and then he goes out in his heat race, and he's just like barely sliding out of corners and just pulling bike links on dudes. But it, I mean, his, he could have rode his bike here, other than I think it looked like his headlight was broke. Yeah. But I mean, race bike, like I have this Sportster, race bike, it's done. Um, I think that will help and it will grow and it will get people hooked. And then you're also gonna have the guys, you know, we know it that they wanna ride to the track and they wanna race and they wanna ride home. I wanna support that. I did that, I did that at Del Mar. I was gonna do that today, but if I were to have crashed uh, or something, then yeah. yeah, I got a long commute on a broken bike. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's definitely a risk. I mean, we definitely like got into that too. Um, for me, when I started doing this, I was racing another motorcycle at a lot of the tracks, so I couldn't do that anyway. But um, I used to do my Dyna on Harley nights at Costa Mesa Speedway. I'd take my Dyna and rip my Dyna, and it was super fun. And basically, like, I got a cheap Sportster because I didn't want to tear up my Dyna that I had to ride to work. My Sportster was faster anyway. <laughs> Although, uh, there's uh, a guy named Hunter Klee. He's built a born free bike. Um, he just moved up to Milwaukee to work for Milwaukee, Wisconsin to work for SNS. But this is one of my good friends. And we went to a Harley night when I first got a Sportster. I let him ride my Dyna. And we ran into one another on the start. Someone hit him and we came together and bounced off bikes. And I, all I could think in my head was, I'm gonna tear up both of my motorcycles at the same time right now. <laughs> um, but you know, hindsight, we we walked away. It only dented my Sportster, not my my Harley or not my Dyna, so we're good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was like that was actually pre pre what this has turned into. Yeah. Um, hooligan racing has been around Southern California for a long, long time. Um, by no means did I like start anything. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna be a dick and I'm gonna take credit for helping revive it. I mean. <laughs> It really started with myself and a couple other guys like we built these little trackers to do Harley night and um, You know when you have fun at something you don't want to do it twice a year So they made the comment to me. They're like I want to do this more So we did a couple other Harley nights at a different speedway track. It wasn't even they don't even do flat track and then um, You know we were all like man, we're gonna do this more and I had previously been to a flat track and just done a practice day on my Harley I took my speedway bike and practiced on it and then I pulled my Harley out of the truck and I did some laps. So I told them, I'm like, dude, let's go over and practice. Like, they'll let us ride the track, like as dumb as it sounds. 
They um, they were so scared that we were going to run someone over, and probably with good reasoning at the time. <laughs> they, they put us on the track, three of us all by ourselves. They wouldn't let any 450s out with us. They were all super sketchy. Um, they all thought we were idiots. We kind of agreed with them. Um, you know, we weren't fast. It, it's funny, um, like myself, uh, the Suicide Machine brothers, who are the two I'm talking about, Rusty, Mark, Rusty showed up real, sh like, I think we did a practice with three of us once, and then the next time we were doing practice, there were four of us, Mark was there. Yeah. Um, we were all in a tight group of four of us, and if you took us three years ago, when we were like the fastest dudes around, and you put us out here today, we'd have been in the slow class getting our butt kicked. Yeah. I guarantee it. Um, you know, it was just there was no one else to like compare it to. So like everyone's like, oh man, you guys have always been so fast. And we're like, no, we really haven't. Yeah. There's just no one else. Yeah. Like, um, Which is a benefit. I mean, it's a benefit for you now. But yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, I remember, I mean, because I saw you at some of the first Ivy League stuff when mm -hmm. there was, because I've gone to Paris before and there's really no hooligan class. Yeah, the sound, um, the sound made it hard on us. And they've been, they've turned guys away lately. Uh, they gave them, I just learned this today, they gave them one tech. He didn't pass it, his bike was too loud. He went in, uh, it was a super trap, so he pulled a couple rings out of the exhaust, quieted it up, took it over, and they're like, oh, you already failed tech, you're done. Today here? No, no, oh. at Paris. Oh, um, yeah. And it's it sucks because we love that track, but the sound, what did it, you got some neighbors that are, yeah, you know, they want peace and quiet on a Sunday afternoon, I guess. Yeah. I, I get it, people, uh, I don't get it, but people are hypocrites. We, um, I learned this a while ago about racing and people's attitudes. Um, my my stepdad actually, and I the guy's awesome. I'll, I'll give him that. I, I like him. He's always been good to me. But I was home one Christmas, or it wasn't even Christmas. It was like when I first moved to California. I was back home in Indiana, and my mom's house is across the street from the high school. And in the spring, they have like marching band practice in the parking lot. It's supposed to end at nine o'clock, and if his clock says nine o one, he like flips out that they're making noise. This is a guy like with a Harley with like Reinhardt, just super ridiculous <laughs> loud pipes on it, just running around town at nighttime. And I'm like, like, dude, if, if you had a quiet motorcycle, you'd be cool, but you have like one of the loudest bikes I've ever heard. And then you're gonna be mad that these kids are making noise. Yeah. But I, I sat back and I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? Like everyone does that. Like people are so mad. I think people get mad when other people have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Like, if I see a bunch of kids playing soccer, like, yeah, I'm going to be like, man, there could be a beautiful flat track. There's a bunch of kids playing soccer having a good time. I'm not going to call and try and make problems for them. Yeah. But that's, that's like, it's people's, I don't know, I mean, it's people's mentality. If it's not, if it's not their hobby, it's no good. Yeah. And it's also that people are moving further out to places like this. Yeah. And there didn't used to be. And now yeah. there's people around here and now they're going to move here and they complain. Yeah. And it's, I've seen it before I've, and I'll yeah. see it again. Um, Laguna Seca, man, one of the nicest road kit, road course tracks in the world. Probably the nicest one in the United States. And that's one of the biggest issues they have. And it's like, what a shame. The track's been there 30 years, 40 years. Like, uh, Yeah, maybe even longer than it's that. It's held Formula One, MotoGP. Yeah. Like, it's an amazing facility. And it's half an hour out of Monterey or something. But as Monterey expands and it's... As, oh, yeah. as lawyers move out there and they don't have to pay a lawyer to complain, <laughs> man, they complain. Right. They know who to call. They know who to make right? a big deal. I don't know. Not that I've, I didn't bring any. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like, it's issues that we're dealing with for sure. Um, Paris was a sound one. Yeah. Uh, and you know what's funny? I, I heard about your 
event in Santa Maria, and we should talk more about that yeah. uh, a, a later. We should meet sometime I'll, where it's not a, like a torrential uh, or a tornado, Yeah. and we'll talk about it. But Santa Maria is one of those places that's kind of quiet and out of the way, and I was surprised to hear that you're having an event up there. It's, um, it's actually interesting. It's The track's barely out of town, but the town seems pretty okay with it. It must bring enough money to town they don't care. The local Harley dealers really supporting it. They're going to help promote. They're going to give out some prizes. Um, they've helped us in the past with purses. Um, and I, I don't know what it is. People up there seem to love the, that track. It, it has good luck. Yeah, so Santa Maria is pretty good. It's it's unfortunately a little bit of a drive for some of the riders here, but um, I'm also... <laughs> okay, at this point, the person who I'm just going to call the pants dropper decided to come by and uh, taunt us. I keep thinking, yeah, this is good. Yeah, he's here. Come over here and drop the, the microphone's here in the Velcro. <laughs> Sorry. I heard a wiener moving around. Just a, on, this thing's very sensitive. <laughs> my son. My son. <laughs> Jesus is my son. I used to be in there. I was in those trousers. <laughs> yeah. My dad never fails to remind me that shit, uh, too. So, yeah. We got him out of there. We, we shushed him away. And... You know, Wiggins kind of does a little look a little bit like Jesus. That's what the guy was referring to, saying Jesus is my son. Um, he he looks like a a very handsome modern Grizzly Adams. Let's put it that way. Okay, folks, before we get back to the show, there's something important that we want to talk about. Now, keep in mind, this is not an endorsement and this is not a sponsor of the show, but I have to tell you about Imperfect Produce. If you go to imperfectproduce.com, you'll be able to order produce boxes, fruit boxes, whatever you want. You can get organic veggies, mixed veggies, you know, whatever, some fruits. Take my word for it. This is some of the best food that I have got. My wife took over and uh, basically said, hey, listen, what would you think about getting a box of, of uh, produce every other week? I said, sure, let's try it out. So what Imperfect Produce does is they go directly from a farm, throw it in a box, drop it on your doorstep, and it goes into your mouth. There's four simple steps, and like literally two of those is it being like put in your, to your hand. So there's really from farm to mouth is how I see it. And I have to say that why do you get a deal on Imperfect Produce? Well, because it's, quote, ugly, right? You don't go to the store. If you, if hey, I went apple picking with the family, and if you see what a real apple looks like on a tree versus the nice waxed apples that are polished and tumbled and they have like a coating of wax on them and you eat that stuff at the store, it ain't real. Real produce, if you want it and you want it to taste good, imperfectproduce.com is the place to go. Not only that, but the reason I like it is if you order it, there's a little... I'm not going to tell you exactly what it says because you you need to get the box. But if you take a selfie with a little bit of a hashtag on there, they actually will donate a pound of food to the Alameda Food Bank. And it's a great cause. Not only that, great food. And since it's ugly, you're getting 30 to 50% off what you would pay for it at the store. It, the taste is better. Sometimes they're bigger, actually. Sometimes they're way huge, and that's why they have to get rid of them. And sometimes they're a little smaller. So, hey, whatever you're looking for, Imperfect Produce, I'm telling you, I've been eating it, and I felt, like, revved up, right? Let's keep it motor-related. I feel like I'm banging on all four cylinders here. So do me a favor. Go to imperfectproduce.com. If you live in the Los Angeles or the or the Bay Area, technically, uh, you can get service right to your doorstep from the farm. 
I can't think of anything better than that than putting dirt in your mouth, putting the seed in there, waiting for the produce to grow in your mouth. I mean, it's impossible, folks. Go to imperfectproduce.com before I just go nuts and I show up at your door with the carrot and stick it in your mouth. I'm out of here. This is crazy talk. All right, all right. Let's get back to our interview with Mr. Chris Wiggins, hooligan racer extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah, Santa, that is a little bit of a drive. Uh, it is. It's not bad. Um, it's about, I live north LA County, so for me, it's like two, two and a half hours. Okay. So it's not too bad. So this is kind of a drive for you, Dan. It actually here. is. This yeah. was over an hour, um, or in the morning, an hour. We'll see about going home. Yeah. But yeah, I, what I'm trying to do with my event, too, we're, I'm trying to do, instead of one heat in a main, we're trying to do possibly three heats in a main do a point system instead of this I, I really i hate this win your heat or go to the b main stuff like you know especially like last week we raced with joe cop um you know we got andy debrino's a pro um you know if jason and i are in the same heat or something like that like there's getting to be so many seriously fast guys that should all be in a main that it's real easy to be in a main with two or three fast guys yeah. even though you're really fast um, I had that at Del Mar this year. I got third in my heat. I'm in the B main. I win the B main by half a lap, and I'm on cruise for half of it. Like, I was like, oh, I'm, this is not challenging. <laughs> but it was just, like, how the heats worked out. So, yeah. um, and what I hear from a lot of the riders, and being a rider myself, um, more more track time. Everyone wants to ride more. So, we're going to try and do three heats in a main. They're not going to be ten lap heats. So will probably be four or five lap, but getting more time on the track. Um, hopefully racing with different people in your heat, so it's mixed up a little bit every time. That's not gonna work for you. Windbreak. Before we get shaken apart here, I, I do want to talk about on your on our the next time we get together, let's talk about what it takes to put together an event. I've really been wanting to talk to somebody about that. I know it's a okay. hell of a lot of work. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that happens so people can come out and have fun. Yeah. And real quick, you've mentioned it a few times that it doesn't take much to make a good bike, to make a stock bike, yeah. uh, an, an eligible bike. Um, real quick, what what do you need? Um, I, if you want to come race with us, if you want to come race the the faster hooligan classes, the biggest thing is a 19-inch rear wheel. And then what you need is good tires. Um, Dunlop makes some, Maxxis makes some, Shinko makes some. Shinkos are probably the most affordable. Um, I run the Maxxis because I'm just I'm comfortable on them. But the 19-inch rear wheel and some flat track tires will get you pretty well exactly what most of us have. If hopefully this DOT class takes off and you don't need anything, you just need a bike. So um, yeah, that's that's the one I was looking forward to myself, and I really I really thought about it because you ride here, race, ride home. I mean, it, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I, I you know we uh, you know what you know what real fast too that doesn't. Uh, that doesn't exclude like sport bikes. That's like Ivy League. I've seen sport bikes do it. That, mean, yeah. that means you could run whatever the hell you want if yeah. you did a street tire. Um, yeah. Now, uh, actually, what the listeners can't see, but sitting in front of us is a Yamaha FZ07. Now, technically, his motor is a little small. Um, I think for my class, if it becomes an issue or for my races, I'm going to put a weight limit on. Uh, I, you know, I want stuff like the Ducatis. You know, an FZ07 in a way is totally fine too. Um, that stuff I, I'm fine with. But what we got to step back and look at as racers and promoters are one, the companies that's been supporting us. Yeah. Hands down, that's Harley and Indian. Anyone, any support that Ducati's been, they find a rider, usually a pro, and they hand him a bike and they're like, yeah, go race and kick everyone's butt. 
Um, not always. You know, last weekend there's just an average Joe on, on a duck from Ducati USA. Triumph's been doing the same thing. Uh, Joe Cop was on Triumph USA as Triumph last week. So, and the Triumphs aren't that much lighter. The yeah. ducks aren't that much lighter. Actually, they're 380, 370. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not. Um, was it a scrambler? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm thinking a 400, 420 pound weight limit. Um, yeah, I think they're I think they're actually a little over four. Okay. So, yeah, they'd probably meet it anyway. Yeah. And honestly, my buddy racing his XB9, or his, uh, yeah, his XB9 Buell, he's probably under the weight limit. But, um, you know, it comes with, he's not going out smoking everyone. So, yeah. no one's really, it's not been an issue. Right. Um, and it's like, it sounds shitty that way. Be like, if you beat me, we're, it's, but it's like, <laughs> you know, we, we do have to look at, we're getting support from Harley and not personally, but the, the class and what we're doing is getting support from Indian. Yeah. So in a way we got to cater to them, not to me, not to the point that, uh, AFT now, but, uh, AMA did with Honda back in the day. Like I, and to me, that's pro racing. That's a totally different level. I know they were really strict on like Honda cause they were kicking everyone's butt. And, um, at a pro level, like, I don't really think that's fair. I think there's certain things you limit and certain that's limited for everyone and certain things that if you're allowed it, everyone should be allowed it. But yeah, yeah, it, they did restrict your play. I mean, they, they started yeah. doing a bunch of stuff because they yeah said it was unfair. But the thing is, make a better bike and then it won't be unfair. Yeah. And it, <laughs> you know, Harley's finally doing the overhead cams. I mean, even the XR750 has been a pushrod motor for so long. Yeah. And where we benefit is the bikes are so heavy, so the motor's not an issue. Yeah. Um, but to me, so that's like, okay, so we put a weight limit on it. Um, and that's, you know, there's no point in allowing Ninja 650s and CBR 500s or 550s, whatever they are, even the FZ07, like, they're nice little flickable light bikes. The geometry's surprisingly good for what we're doing. Um, it's a little upright, but if you ride it a little bit, it's not too bad, because I've ridden the XB9 and it's, very steep head angle but it, it's pretty rideable out here yeah um you just got to get used to it yeah yeah um but i think weight is what also separates us from everyone it's what separates us from the 450s and any other class out there like the bikes are so massive and so heavy and it's kind of what makes it fun and it's what makes i don't want to say it's what makes fans want to see it but i think at the end of the day like fans want to see it because of things that make it heavy yeah being like the stock frame the Indian and the Harley side of it you know they I mean who doesn't love you know for myself I guess I'm always pushing for the Harleys but who doesn't love that old rivalry that's been going on for yeah a hundred years yeah um I did a show on it a while back and I because I work Harley is a pain in the butt to work with from my what I do for work and um I know they're a pain in the butt for on some different levels to some different people but I really I really gained a new respect for them after looking back through the years at what they yeah. did and specifically even racing and stuff up until 2000 when they kind of dropped out of the uh, superbike class because they, you know, the VFR 1000 or whatever just dro was dropping back so far and they just gave up yeah. on that. I'm really glad they kept with the flat track and people forget that they've been, ra like they have been racing, you know, since yeah. the beginning. And I don't know how true it is. I mean, they kind of started flat track i don't you know i think a lot of people were racing through cornfields and stuff and then they did the they tried the board track for a while and um obviously it didn't last and people were getting killed i think harley's like one of the first companies that went to the that cut an oval in the dirt and started racing on it um and kind of stuck it out 
And I will say, you know, it's kind of their benefit, but I feel like that tight 45 degree twin with a heavy flywheel, it really does well in the dirt. Yeah. Um, you know, when you go to pavement, it changes the game a lot. But um, sheer power and even sheer power and kind of like a nice smooth firing order aren't necessarily good for the dirt. You know, I feel like that big heavy clunker in a way works well in the dirt. It lets the tire kind of hook up. It's got a nice wide torque band um, and it works well. And you know, the XR I think is testament to that. Uh, you know, cause even if you look at like the Honda back in the day with Bubba Schobert and stuff that was beating it, it was a pretty tight V twin. Like it was still yeah. that kind of similar motor. Um, but yeah, I think the, the pavement in the VR1000, I think was hard for them. Um, you know, I don't know how much Eric Buell had to do with that, but it's just, yeah, it's so hard to compete with the Japanese on that level. Yeah. And it costs so much money. Um, yeah, Honda, when they were, when they were road racing, and here's another thing, I'll go off on a tangent. I, <laughs> I loved back when you, you weren't a champion unless you did short track, yeah. mile and some fucking road racing yeah. on yeah. a fucking bike and that shit you know they broke everything into everything up you know yeah. they broke it all apart and, and it's a bummer but uh it's it's you know back in those days and i think you're right i was looking at the the wins for the daytona 200 specifically and it was harley 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 all the way through the 60s yeah and then the 70s started to get spotty and then the 80s it was yeah. like all yamaha or honda you know what i mean I think the the cb 750 really put a dampener oh yeah like it it was um i don't really want to say it was ahead of its time i think it came in time but um they were the only ones doing it at the time like an inline four cylinder that just made gobs of power yeah. it could rev to the moon especially for its day but at the same time it was reliable you know and again growing up around Hondas like I, I saw you know and kind of that era you know not necessarily the 6970 CB750s but a little later my dad had a, a few and I actually have an 82 now a Honda CBX six cylinder um, and to see what that thing can do wait can, you have a six you have one <laughs> yeah I have an 82 with fairing and bags and uh, my grandpa has who he, and he wants me to have it a 79 oh no way red 79 yeah um, and even seeing like uh, seeing what that thing does next to my Dyna, it's, it's insane. Um, but I think you go back to people buy Harleys for certain reasons. Yeah. And sheer power and speed aren't, they're not those reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's definitely something to be said for an American made, not only an American, but a union made motorcycle. I grew up, you know, my dad was a welder too, and he was a union guy. So it was actually funny for him to ride a Goldwing. He was like the only guy with a, with a Honda and guys would bust his balls all the time, but you know, he just, he was a motorcycle guy too. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, programs like the VR 1000 program, it's, it's definitely discouraging for Harley, but it's, it's a big, big, big money program. And I'm always interested in how people look at stuff like that. And from what I understand about the history of Honda, like they would test stuff to destruction. And they would test stuff that they didn't necessarily know was going to fail, but they didn't care if it failed because they learned from it and they moved forward from that. And it's such a hard mentality, I think, for people that, you know, Honda built a motorcycle with oval pistons and it, it worked, but it didn't work well. And their outlook was they learned from it. And I think so many companies are so like, that's so hard to get through your head. Like, well, that was a failure. What do we do now? Like, we don't want to keep failing. And, um, you know, I mean, I guess in their case, they didn't really keep failing. And even at that point, they were already 
ahead. They weren't really failing, but you know, in the VR, like it's weird. It's such a beautiful bike, but it's such a. They did, there was no production bike really based on it. Like I think you could no. buy it, but they were they were so outrageously expensive. And it's and I'm at the yeah. same at the same token. Um, Buell won a 600 series a few years ago. Yeah. On a 1200. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I, think I, was, I totally it, hate that. Was it Danny? Was I think it, Danny it was Eslick. Eslick yeah. yeah. And um, I'm. You know, because a Ducati twelve hundred races with thousands. I'm, I get that a twin is going to be allowed more CCs than a four cylinder. I do get that, um, but not not almost double. Yeah. So I was I was a little bummed with that. I think he should have ran with the thousands because um, it was a Rotax and it was. I know that it was was designed by him and Rotax, but I'm like, you're in the same boat as a Prillian KTM. Like you shouldn't be getting, and you know, in in. Buell's defense, like he built a 60 degree V twin when everyone knows if you're road racing, 90 degrees the hot setup. Yeah. But he didn't build it to go racing. He just built it, excuse me, and then went racing with it, which I also admire. Yeah. Um, but it's such a hard, like, again, having an RC 51 and just recently buying a Ducati, like you see those niche bikes, like Ducati builds twins. They're 90 degree twins. And, uh, like, to me, I'm the type of guy, like, if I go buy a Beamer, it's going to be an opposing twin. I don't want a Beamer that's not an opposing twin, but it's not a real Beamer. Um, same with a Harley. I'm like, I want a pushrod air-cooled motor. Like, I'm, I'm super impressed with the Milwaukee 8. Like, how, they, how their engineers sit down and go, okay, emissions are cracking down. It's yeah. been 15 years. Like, we got to make a motor. But the V-Rod wasn't successful, so what do we do? Now, I, I still think they should have done more with the V-Rod. Yeah. We're, like, so far off hooligan racing, I love it. Yeah. Hey, that's what my show's about, dude. All people right. People uh, accuse me of, like, going on tangents, and I said, dude, it's the creative side of yeah. riding, okay? Like, it's not... <laughs> and I, like, I've been a motorcycle guy for so long. I can sit there and talk about motorcycles until my let's, face is blue. Let's do it, because we'll get together and talk okay. pr promotion of hooligan racing again, especially since we live pretty yeah. close to each other. There's oh, no shit. reason not to. Right? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think Harley did a great thing with the, the, whatever it was, the water one. The V-Rod. Um, yeah, V-Rod. Totally. Every, everybody hated it, but dude, I'll tell you what, they used that in their fucking drag race bike for a reason, yeah. and that thing, I mean, it's just because people didn't like Harley with water. It, it, and you know, I agree, like, I hate it, but when I step back and look at it, I don't hate the motor, I hate the bike. Yeah. Take that motor... Maybe someone from Harley will listen to this. Take that motor. First of all, why did you never give Eric Buell that motor? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Second of all, take that motor and put in a bagger frame. Don't change the fairing. Don't change the bags. Don't put a 300 on the rear of it and whatever you did with that tank on the V-Rod. Just take the motor, put a radiator in front of the frame, and put that, that motor in the frame and see what it looks like. Yeah, the tank on the V-Rod was the, was the air cleaner cover. The, yeah. The real tank, I think, sits between... Should I write? I should know this. Yeah, the, the real tank sits where, like, the oil tank on a Dyna sits. Yeah. And, um... Which is a cool concept, and you can do that, but it didn't have to look that bad. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, the V-Rod... It's so funny because... And forward, like, you got this fast oh, bike... Oh, yeah, dude. ...with low bars and forward controls. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I'd love to see that motor in something else. Yeah. And to me... It's an interesting conversation. I've had this with my dad a lot. 
again, being the Goldwing rider, being the Honda guy, he it doesn't compute in his head. And he's like, oh, Harley should do. And I go, first of all, I go, you spend your money on a Goldwing, so you don't have a lot of room to talk. <laughs> and I'm like, second of all, they did it with the V-Rod. Yeah. But for me, I'm a believer that that's part of the reason it failed was it's still out there, I think, too. I think they still sell them, don't they? Yeah. The, supposedly, 2017 is going to be the last year of it. Yeah. But the street rod they had was one that you sat on top with mid-controls, and it looked racy. See, that bike looks like an 80s drawing yeah. of like a cool motorcycle you know what i mean and, it, and that's the thing is it it was developed in the 2000s and it looks like an 80s uh 80s yeah. drawing of some dude that said hey draw a motorcycle he just too draws swoopy it, yeah and too yeah too concept too artistic in and you a know, way the funny thing is, is when you when you say that i think of every single one i've seen that some customizer has done and they do the swoopy pinstripe they do all that crap yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't fit, fit. How rad would that motor be in a Dyna though? It just right. stomp stuff in the ground. Right. And um, you know, the new the air cooled or the water cooled ones, they try to hide the radiators out in the fairings and it's like, dude, that used to be storage for people and now you're like taking yeah. that and you're hiding it. It's like with that thing it was totally unhidden and it was yeah. part of it. And yeah, you're right. That would have been an interesting see to see what they could have done with that. The twin cam bagger was an interesting one and I, I kinda get why they put them where they did. They didn't know what to do. They wanted to make emissions happy, but that one was a weird one. I am stoked. I have to say, um, not that I would spend my money on it yet, but I uh, I like what Harley did with the street rod. And it's funny, we were in Milwaukee last October, and we were talking to a guy that had came out of the engineering department. And I, I'm kind of honest, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And I told him, I'm like, dude, why don't you guys take an XG, put the forks off an XR1200. I go, I'd put the tail section off an XR1200, put a peanut Sportster tank on it, um, put some better wheels. I go, they got uh, one of the Sportsters has an 18 and a 17 that look pretty good. And once you throw all those parts on it, parts you already make, don't reinvent anything. Yeah. And we'll see what it looks like. And all he said was, he kind of laughed and he goes, wait a few months and see what we're working on. <laughs> and then this Roadster came out. And yeah, I'm the like, Roadster. Yeah. And it, I have to give it to, again, I'm not going to go spend my money on it. But actually, you know what? Maybe in a few years when the price comes down, because I'm cheap and I'm married and so. Um, but it it looks good. They tightened the head angle up. They slimmed up some stuff that needed slimmed up. They got rid of the moped wheels on it, and they put oh, 17s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, the horsepower it doesn't it doesn't beckon needing 17s. But growing up around sport bikes, I'm like I want to put some good tires on it. Yeah. Go canyon rip it and see what yeah. it does. They threw the inverted forks on it that they already yeah, had. They, those, like, I, I thought that was a good step. Yeah. The fender looks like the fender on this red one that's right here in front yeah. of us too. They cleaned up the fender a little bit on the rear. They kind of made it a little more angled, a little more sporty. Yeah, they um, took off the shitty seat and put like a cool looking seat yeah. on there. They really did a lot of good stuff. Um, and coming out of such a large corporation like that, yeah. like it, it was pretty amazing. Well, that's to me, when I saw that, the first thing I thought of was hooligan racing. Like they, yeah. somebody's latching onto hooligan racing here yeah. and, or, or hooligan racing has officially like made it. And yeah. it's like the cool thing to do now. And I t I'm telling you, I, every other uh, podcast that I listen to, there's, there's I, there's like a hundred motorcycle podcasts now, and um, it's funny they all, are, when you think of motorcycles, you think of like MotoGP and you know, yeah. so they all talked about that, and they've they're all turning their ear toward flat track and, and cool. hooligan racing specifically. Good. And so when I saw Harley do that too, I thought of the Ivy League 
Yeah. Obviously, because that's where I saw it from, and I and I thought of you guys, and I thought of holy shit, like this is making a corporate turn, or yeah. or even if it doesn't play a huge part of their. Oh, did I just spit on myself? Even though if it doesn't play a huge part of their sales, they're paying attention to it, and that's like what's rad, and that's what you mentioned earlier about having to support them. It's like a clue. Hey, maybe Triumph. Maybe you should try this. You know, yeah. you, you've made a scrambler forever. That'd be cool if Triumph got into the game because they've been around forever. Um, Triumph's tried a little bit. Um, working in the company I work for, we make some exhaust for Triumph, and uh, they tried getting a guy a bike, and it was shut down at, at the company. Yeah. Uh, I'm not super stoked on the whole story and what went down. It's, <laughs> it sounds like whiny guys. There was a guy that wanted a free motorcycle for no reason because he was important. Um, and they wanted to give it to a guy that was less important because he raced hooligan stuff. Triumph's like, dude, we want to give you a bike if you'll go race it. Um, so that all kind of fell through, and I haven't heard anything since then. Yeah. Um, That's the other thing I really like about hooligan racing is you don't have to worry about, like, manufacturer drama. You just come out with your buddies and yeah. do it, you know? You know, and we're getting a little bit of manufacturer support, um, but it's hard because I don't want to see... I don't want to see Triumph have Joe Cop show up to money that wins races. Oh, yeah. I want to see Triumph find a dude that's, like, kind of mid-pack, whatever. He doesn't get any support. And go, hey, man, like, we want to give you a little support. We're gonna, we want to, you know, set you up with a bike, uh, maybe help you build it, maybe help you get to a few races. You're not going to make money, but we want you out there on a Triumph. Uh, I mean, honestly, dude, if I wasn't riding a Harley, I'd love to do a Triumph. Like, I think, they're, I think for what we're doing, it would be a great bike. Yeah. But, yeah, like support some dude that that doesn't get support but he's out here every week busting his ass he goes racing all the time he's always out he's always doing it uh, like that's what i want to see getting supported I, i'm not i don't like when you're like oh we got this former grand national pro we're gonna throw him yeah. a bike for the weekend it's like it's to me it's not what it's about and it makes it less accessible to the other people like yeah i i like the tracker cross signups literally said no pros and yeah. i was like dude Finally, because even at Ivy League shit, I mean, it's cool. It is fun to see like a road racing guy like Josh Hayes show up. And, yeah. And then I, you know, Brian Smith came out last year, or like uh, I think it was the year before. Um, oh, they run their 450s though, really. Right, right. Yeah. No, they did, and they did. But we and, have Andy Debrino shows up. He's a current road race pro. Uh, JD Mosley races with us. Uh, last week I raced Joe Cop. A few weeks ago I I raced and got ran into by Sammy Halbert, um, which one side of the argument is super cool like never in my life would i thought it thought that i could out hole shot sammy halbert um and then pinch him off in turn one just to have him blow me out of the way but um, <laughs> he, is a, he is a slammer <laughs> yeah yeah after when i started to take away the corner i first thought was like shit that was a bad idea it was just kind of like natural you know yeah and i was yeah. like that was probably the wrong person to do it to yeah just got plowed but yeah um, so on one side, like, yeah, we're getting to race with pros and we're for the most, Sammy was a little different. Joe Cobb's a little different. He's pretty, he's pretty good. Uh, Debrino's riding his bike more and more. He still uses the, I don't have a pro flat track card. I'm a pro road racer, but he's been riding that hooligan bike oh, so much that it's dude, changing. A lot of road racers have recently picked up on flat tracking. Yeah. Well, you know, no one forgets Kenny Roberts. No one forgets oh, Nicky yeah. Hayden. Like, well, shit. And, and, uh. Marquez yeah. takes the fucking super prestige every year, and him and Rossi swear by it. Like, yeah. it helps us figure out the wiggle out on our bikes yeah. and shit. So, I mean, a lot of people do it. It's throttle control. Like, it's yeah. just it's so much stuff that they love. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, in the, we're in between with that and just total no pros. I mean, we got a guy today, and he would have been best I know we have was fourth. He also was fourth last week, right, a spot in front of me. And he was a pro 
couple years ago, but he was a GNC 2 Pro, whatever the low pro was. He only did a few pro races, never really made the main. Um, and it's and in his defense, and I agree with him, it's easy to get a pro license. Uh, I had one of the promoters from the mid-cal guys, the California Flat Track, he told me to give me a pro license. Huh. Um, and I'm no on a 450, I'm not fast enough. But he basically told me, he goes, I've seen you ride, you're fast enough on your hooligan bike. And he goes, he said, you're smooth and you're safe. And he goes, that's it. He goes, I'll vouch for you. All it is is someone vouching. Um, so it definitely puts us in a tough spot. Like, yeah. But having, you know, when you have, when you finally have a race that has money and a top former Grand National Pro shows up, it's very disheartening. Yeah. Like, you put in a lot of work to get that stuff, and then it's like, oh, you're just going to show up, take our money, and leave. Yeah. Um, well, for them, it's like, shit, I need, like, new tires. Yeah. And then they're going to sure. come and grab some. Because I, otherwise, there's no reason why they'd go to, uh, it's not on the AMA calendar or the AFT calendar, but they'll go to Willow Springs and do uh-huh. that run, or they'll go, there's all shit up and down yeah. little county fairs that they'll go run, and back those dudes from back east, the same shit. Yep. And it's like, well, they're collecting their new helmet well they probably got a helmet sponsor but they're just collecting their money and, yeah. it, and it sucks it, I kind of agree that it's hard and that's where I fall back on the 450 class if I wanted to go race 450s I feel like in a way like I'm stepping on their turf and there's they usually have a pro class and a slower class and if you're slower then you know the pro class is going to get money and a lot of those pros like yeah it's also hard because you got you know you've got those guys that they grew up racing wherever they're from now they're pro now they're following the aft circuit and uh oh look there's a race at my local county fair i'm gonna go race it and win it and take the money and five or ten years ago someone else doing it to them yeah 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 and with this with this what i don't what makes it different i think is that we are a bunch of schmucks like we're all old we're all washed up we all got to work on monday um but it's so popular right now that there's money coming into it and so they want it yeah I don't know. It definitely makes it hard. Um, my race, like I said, I'm trying to pay back everyone. I don't. I don't want to pay the top three or top five. I want to pay everyone. I want everyone to get something back because I want. I don't want ten or fifteen guys. I want forty or fifty guys to show up. Yeah. Um, you know, prizes, whatever. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I, I'm hoping to help build it. Because um, I really, I, I'm a believer. You got to build a base before you build the the top. And you know the guys like like Joe are showing up, and they're you know they want to race, and they're on the top, and they want to take the money away, which is whatever. I can use the money as much as he can, but both of us will survive. Um, but it's like I want I want racers. You know, there's like five or six guys in Colorado. There's some dudes in like the southeast, like Alabama area. There's a couple dudes in like Florida, a couple like North Carolina, North Carolina, like East Coast. It's definitely growing, and I want to see just a base of it all over the country, you know? Like, where where we as the Harley hooligans or whatever could could all load up in a truck and drive to Colorado for the weekend and show up and have dudes to race. Um, you know, like, I think that'd be super fun. And then, you know, maybe, you know, maybe then I'll be the asshole showing up to a, a weekend event <laughs> taking their money. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out in the future. Um, yeah. Call me and we'll we'll burn this recording, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, I gotta say, like we've we have. Uh, if you would have asked me three years ago and we started Did doing this, maybe in that truck. I would have liked to try it with it. <laughs> I pulled the dildo off the window, so I don't know. Oh yeah, look at that. You're right. Um, but 
yeah, if you would have asked me three years ago where we'd be like today, I'd have told you it'd been dead and gone. Yeah. Um, and it still seems like it's on the upsweep pretty heavily. You know, it's it's growing bigger and bigger. Um, you got events like this, you know, like look at all the people we had out today, all the vendors, all the riders. Um, yeah, it's rad to see it growing. And sponsor, whoops, and sponsorship from cool companies like 805 yeah. um, and Speed Merchant and all these guys that you uh, you'd seen before, and now it's like, wow, we're we all just want to hang out together and do yeah. this together, and let's help each other. And yeah, I really that's the thing I love the most that you don't see in AFT necessarily and all that other stuff. Yeah, it's rare, you know, that you'll see people pitted close to one another. I mean, I've been to races where a dude wads his bike, and we get it back to the pits. There's mechanics from other teams on his bike pulling out their own yeah. parts, handing them their own parts. Someone needs a, you know, I, I mean, dude, it's like if your bike was right there and my fuel can was there and yours was four feet on the other side, yeah, I'd feel you. Like it's just it's kind of how we've been doing it, and uh, it's kind of what so makes it. Yeah, it makes it great, dude. Everyone's here, everyone's racing, um, and there's nothing better than like high fiving your buddy after a race. Yeah, um, and the money. The money to me is like, to give you a Confucius say, uh, last weekend I went and raced because there was money, but I also, I didn't want to go race because there was money. Right. You know, it was one of those, like, I was like, well, I got a good shot at winning it, I'm going to go. But I really didn't want to go because I knew there was money and I was like, man, it just, yeah. it's not making it as much fun as it used to right. be, you know? It takes out the enjoyment, it makes it yeah. more of a job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like the one thing when you start to do something you love, you never, uh, yeah, work a day in your life, but then until, and then you're like, wait, I'm working though, and and this yeah. is turning into a job. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it, also hard. I mean, racing's expensive. Like, it costs a lot of money and time yeah. and effort. And I have to say, this is one of the cheapest forms of racing I've ever done. And it's still like the time, the time <laughs> is a lot. Um, yeah, it's so you know that money is like rad, but it's like how can we? And with the money flowing in, like. You know, with Harley support and Indian support and Speed Merchant and Rusty and Suicide Machine and, you know, we had Saddleman here today, 805, like, people are like, hey, we want to sponsor it. We want to support it. What can we do? And it's like, there's inevitably someone's going to have money to throw at it. And one, you know, a lot of these companies are giving products, which is amazing. Like, products yeah. that people can use is great. But it's like, what do you do? Okay, so now I'm like, I have this money to work with. It's like, well, and I think a lot of traditional promoters are like, well, let's do a big, let's do a thousand dollars to win. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's hurt a lot of racing, a lot of grassroots racing, and no one can figure out why because it's, it's ingrained into them. If you want a big event, you just do a big purse to win it. Yeah. I'm like, well, one person's gonna win money, and everyone else sucks. Yeah. Um. So at least for they'll quit. They will quit coming. Uh. Yeah. If it's the same guy winning or like the same yeah. top five guys, they will eventually quit coming. Yeah. Um, and then you don't have a fun event that was yeah. fun. Right. Well, and then you got three or four guys racing mm -hmm. and it's no fun for anyone. You're, back, you're, you're back to where you said you guys were. Three yeah. or four guys starting something to get over because they're... <laughs> you know, then you got three fans. Yeah. Um, it's just not good for anyone. Like, yeah. Um, what I've learned about racing and promoting in the last few years really um your riders or your racers shouldn't be paying your bills yeah um you know yeah maybe the insurance and cost but a lot of that money can go back into purses your grandstand should be what's paying your bills now with flat track obviously that's that's hard to do um coming from speedway 
racing Costa Mesa Fairgrounds, like that's where I, I gained this like this point of view. Um, and obviously, like I'm not gonna say like if at even Del Mar, it's an expensive venue and the fan turnout is good, but it's not it's not a packed house. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely it's like that's a hard situation to be in, but like that's like the 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 point that I try to work with. Like the riders shouldn't be paying all your bills. Like I'm not against entry fees, but seventy five, eighty, hundred dollars, whatever, plus everything it costs to get you there, and then you race for nothing. And it's like yeah. I feel like I gave you all this money and get nothing back. Yeah. So I'm not against the purse totally. Just the whole thousand dollars to win or two thousand or whatever. Like the super traditional racing purse i feel like that's a tough one um you know i feel like nascar is feeling the heat of that right now um they're feeling the heat of a lot of stuff that has to do with money actually i feel like yeah you know these big billionaire team owners are stepping in and if someone that's not on one of their teams wins they want to find out why they're winning and they want to make that part or whatever illegal um i feel like right now aren't they in like a big uh they're in a big down yeah 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 um, I feel like a lot of the teams, which I really appreciate growing up around sprint cars, but a lot of the teams are owning dirt car teams. Tony Stewart owns a bunch of tracks. They're giving back to the grassroots side of it, which I really appreciate. I think that's amazing. Um, and I think that's going to benefit everyone in the long run. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, and I, I'm biased, I've never been a NASCAR fan. I, like I said, I grew up around racing. I've been to, yeah. I, I love racing and i've never been a nascar fan yeah um, i think it's ironic too because i hate nascar i loved road racing and i used to race cars and do track yeah. days and stuff but i hated nascar but i love watching bikes go in a circle yeah <laughs> i don't uh, know why yeah i love uh i love sprint cars though so i love the whole dirt i love that aspect um you know personally i don't get into like f1 uh road racing and stuff because you don't know anyone. I think that's where NASCAR really killed it for a while, was you knew all the drivers. They had their personalities. They had their personas. And that really led to the growth of the sport. It really helped with it. And honestly, um, with hooligan racing, we tried to do that. And to me, it sounds like super cheesy, like super cheeseball, super dumb. But if you look at the bikes on the track, I want you to know what bike's mine. Like, I have this old AMF copied paint job, and I'm building an XG750 right now. And it's going to get, not that one, it's going to get a very similar old AMF style paint job because I'm hoping that people will go, they know that that's Wiggins, but it's different, so yeah. we know it's a different bike. But you have, like, you have that persona, you have, like, the the colors of the... Now, Speed Merchant, we're not very coordinated with our bike colors. Yeah. But, um... I, I've, al I've always known you to be wearing green, too. Something green. Uh, so I used to. My Speedway bike was, like, bright green. Okay. I, when I first started, I had a bright green uh, Speedway bib that I wore a lot of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with the Harley, mine used to be like a forest green tank. So there was some of that for a while. Um, but I always like I was always fascinated with this old AMF paint job. And uh, so when I finally like got a gas tank and had it painted, like that's what I went with was the AMF style paint. Um, it was just, it, to me it was rad and it, my kind of idea, and I think my gear now has kind of changed, but my kind of idea was like, 70s flat track was so fucking cool yeah like all the way up into the 90s but like that whole era of like dudes just wide open on yeah clunkers you know <laughs> yeah, like pretty much um and I, I find it like super fascinating like that whole era of racing in general like cars bikes everything like 
I think. Oh, the, and they were trying to experiment. Like they were seeing what worked, and yeah. they were trying new writing styles. Every a lot of stuff came out of that era. Yeah, for sure. I really like. Um, I really like type of racing where you can show up to the track and go racing and go home and make your bike or your car a little bit better and go back to the track and you've improved and it's kind of a circle like guys can do it in their garage with not a lot of tools and i really like that like you know motor road racing used to be the same way um you know you you bought a set of leathers and you took your cb750 to the track and it was race ready that's, yeah you know everyone laughs at like the x on the headlights but that's why they always used to do that because they rode them and they had to yeah. tape over their glass headlight you know <laughs> yeah um and now it's like if you want to go road racing like you got to go buy a pretty brand new bike have the suspension done do a bunch of work spend a bunch of money and then you can go road racing and your bike at least is good enough even if you're not yeah um <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's always that then there's track days yeah and it gets pretty expensive yeah it does very <laughs> to, to get you up to spec um but the hooligan stuff was very like you don't need to do a lot. Um, no. Yeah, is that a, that's a stock sporty frame. Is it cut off? Or you, no, you just removed the fender struts. Yeah, yeah, cut off the fender struts. That's it. And you can cut them. Mine's only cut off to the first hole because of the fender I use. You can cut them all the way up to the shock mount, too. Some guys do that, depending what tail you want to put on it. Um, it's going to save you a couple pounds, but it doesn't really do much. Still big cast iron lugs everywhere. Um, all of us are running stock swing arms, but you are allowed to change the swing arm. Um, no one cares about that. There's not really an advantage to an aluminum swing arm. No. Um, yeah, most, all the bikes except mine are still running stock Sportster front forks. Um, a couple of bikes are running like Burley stiletto shocks that are just like an affordable long shock. Um, the bike right in front of us that the listeners can't see. It has uh, 40. Uh, I'll, I'll take pictures. <laughs> it has 40 whole steel rims on it. It's got a stock Sportster front wheel, I believe. And then the rear, um, the only reason I know about this rear, it's my old rear. It came off my Dyna that had spokes when I got it, and it had adapters put on it. So it's a Dyna front wheel with adapters put on it. And is that a seven? Is that a 17? 19. Wheel? That's a 19. It's my Dyna front wheel. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's oh, 19 shit. front right, rear. Right, okay. Yeah, the bike next to it's a little bit nicer. It has aluminum rims, um, still spokes. Uh, spokes are easy, pretty cheap. Uh, my bike has mags only because I designed them and I worked for the guy that made them at the time or part time. So they're actually heavy though. They're totally designed for the street. They're not even designed to be light. Are they alloy or are they? Yeah, they're aluminum. Okay. Uh, a company called the Ride Shop makes them. Um, okay. And then like. I run Lindell Brakes because Lindell's been good to me and yeah, I've gave seen me brakes. I've like, seen their name around the yeah. flat tracks before. And I think all the, is it the Speed Merchant guys yeah. that use Lindell Brakes? Uh, the reasoning behind that was I was working part-time for uh, Lindell and his buddy at the time, like helping design some wheels and stuff. And uh, Lindell was, he basically was like, dude, this is cool and I want to support this. Right off the bat, man, we weren't like that is cool. nothing. Yeah, so he was just super into it. So uh, he's just, and he's been really good about supporting it ever since then. Um, hey, without without saying where you work, what what do you do? I am a CNC programmer. Okay. So just a totally, I'm not against saying where I work either, but um, totally blue collar dude. Like just uh, program CNC machines, set them up, run them, uh, make dyes for exhaust actually. So. Right. So you can make some fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> you can make the cool stuff. Sneak into the shop on a Saturday. Yeah. I also <laughs> I also program our laser cutter and there's been a lot of stuff lately. Yeah. Um, if you look at the Speed Merchant sprocket cover that we all run, 
I broke my, my foot peg sprocket cover on the old solid mount sportster a few years ago. I was being stupid jumping it at a race. Uh, I made it through the weekend. We like had it. We had a ratchet strap on it and safety wire all over it. Made it through the weekend. <laughs> nice. I, yeah, I got back and That's I, right. I uh, drew one close in SolidWorks. I sent it to my laser cutter. I test fitted it. It didn't fit very well. I changed it. I finally got it to where it fit. And then um, I told Brownie, I'm like, dude, here, you need to make these. Like, no one makes them. They're great. Um, now, myself, Tracker Die, and Rusty, or myself, Speed Merchant, um, Tracker Die, and Rusty Butcher all make them. But, um, that's kind of where it came from. It was like the necessity, which I also love too. Like I love that about racing. Like that necessity creates that creativity and that yeah. product. Um, that's something that I've seen grow too. Okay, first off, the fact that like when I first saw Mark Rusty Butcher Mark, uh, he literally had a little shop making wallets. Yeah, and now he's driving this fucking van down here that I don't think some. Uh, AMA guys could afford like yeah. uh, road racers since road racing took a dive there for a while I don't think a lot of AMA road race teams could handle that rig like that's a nice yeah so something something good is coming out of all this and I know that he started making hard parts and he started kind of getting into the game of like getting into motos which is I think for him I think the hard parts aren't even the big money thing I think it's the t-shirts I've been seeing a lot yeah. of t-shirts oh, yeah. lately um, and the wallets are kind of um you know, because I think Speed Merchant's actually pretty similar in the regards that, like, the hard parts are what the company's about. And, and Mark, I think the leather goods are what his company's about. But, like, once you have a nice, good quality wallet, you're not going to buy a bunch more. Yeah. So what else can you buy? Yeah. And it's like, everyone wants more than one t-shirt. Oh, those t-shirts, um, uh, he's just been banging them out. And yeah. Like, and they're selling like hotcakes. Yeah. I mean, they just, they go. He's a modern, he's a, uh, well, let's say, he within the last, like, two years, he's become the new... Um, Deus or Ed Hardy. No, don't tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's a good analogy for him. But um, you know, yeah, like selling yeah. shirts, starting to sell shirts all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, Mark's background actually is selling clothing too. Oh, no so, shit. Uh, I so don't know a ton about it, but yeah. yeah. So yeah. he's got a little bit of knowledge there. Then. Yeah, he does. Um, and he's a marketing genius, man. Holy shit. You know what I saw him doing? I, I guess I don't want to talk too much about it because I want to talk to him one of these days, but he, he was doing backflips on a fucking BMX bike and I was like, what? Yeah. So he's been um, on two wheels for yeah. look, looking at him, you wouldn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and good at it. Glad I, I glad used to ride some BMX myself, and backflip was never, Dude, never I, in the cars. I could barely do a tabletop. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's definitely got like those things going. Yeah. Sure. So now that now that I saw that, and I think of all the shit he's done on his Sportster, that yeah. ma it makes sense. Because that's that's another thing that I love. Not only the hooligan racing, because most Harley dudes don't. Most Harley guys probably wouldn't ride a Sportster. Yeah. If you're a quote Harley dude. Right. Uh, but um, not only that, but fucking even the Sportster guys aren't jumping them and shit. And, yeah. and you guys are slinging them around a track, jumping them, all this great stuff. That's like that's what motorcycles are about. That's it. Yeah. Motorcycles are made to do. You know. I think it's a cool compliment to what the Dyna FXR guys are doing with their wheelies and stuff. Oh I my mean, god, yeah. And we're you know what's funny is like we've been we've become friends with a lot of those dudes too. Buddy Subtle from Unknown. Um, him and Nicoletti, I believe it was, were racing with us last weekend. Um, and honestly, I feel like guys like Buddy would want to come out more, but they're traveling all the time. Yeah. You know, they're, they're on the move. I was, it's it's uh, kind of a cool compliment. And I one of the, the promoter that runs uh, Unknown, he's set up some races for us, you know, and he's just, he's all about it and he sees the potential. But it's, it's cool, like it's something different. But yeah, it's the same, like to me, it's the same concept. 
you take what you have and you just ride the shit out of it. Yeah. Um, and who doesn't want to do that? Like the mini bikes here today too. Like mini bikes are super fun. Um, I think on some levels they're fun because they they don't make any power, so you you don't have to be very good, but you can ride the shit <laughs> out of the bike. I don't have to worry too much about hurting yeah. yourself. Yeah. Well, everyone wants to feel like you can just whip it wide open and ride wheels off of it. And if you only have seven horsepower or whatever, um, but Shit. it's super fun. Like I ride a lot of bikes and I have so, so much fun. on Yeah. Yeah. Too. Yeah. But I think that's like part of just motorcycling. Like, yeah. Anything with two wheels is just, yeah. yeah. My, my buddy that used to race supercross has a little tiny mini bike track in his backyard. And it's like, yeah, everybody turns to the minis when it's time for fun. And it's, it's like good practice, but you're able to like sling it around. You hopefully don't get hurt too bad. Yeah. Um, they're cheap. You know, a Honda XR50, Honda XR100, dude, you don't, you can probably drain the oil out of it and it'd last a full day or two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah no kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I see that potential too. Um, and the, the sporties are, I get it. And I'm on the end, like, I've always been like a weirdo with stuff. So for me, like, I, I kind of want to sell my Dyna and build like a nice rubber mount sportster club bike just because it would rip through the canyons and I know how fast they are. Yeah. Um, Are you familiar with the R. Nicky Mouse guy, like the YouTube guy on the snake? Yeah, he's yeah. the one who does all the photos. Of yeah, guys, yeah. Right? He's got a YouTube channel, and there's been a dude on a on a Dyna Dragon Knee. Yeah, right? dude. Yeah. Oh, that guy's been laying it down. I've seen um, the one. There's one dude that was like Dragon Knee, and he's hanging so far off of it, the bike's not really leaning. Well, over. yeah, no, no. That's I seen that guy too. Yeah. But there was another dude where a, a guy on a sport bike was chasing him, and he he even on the right side, he hit the pipe, and you see him about lose it. But he was ripping. Yeah, but that's I'm the guy a, I'm talking about because yeah. I have seen the other guy. The other guy's he's leaning. The bike's not yeah. leaning very far. I've uh, I've been through canyons on my dyno with sport bikes. I actually um, on my ten thousand mile trip around the country, I went and visited a buddy of mine in Tennessee who lives outside of Deals Gap, which is oh, like no this shit. tight little mountain road. And at the time, he had an R1. He recently bought a Harley. The irony of the story is, growing up, his parents always had Harleys, and my dad always had a Honda. <laughs> and uh, I bought a Harley eight or nine years ago now, and he just bought one this year. Um, but right. so we're riding together. He's on his R1, and we're hitting these canyon roads. And he's like, and he's not a track guy. I mean, he rides canyons, but he's not. He doesn't lean way off. He just kind of leans the bike. And he goes, dude. He goes, I kept getting faster, and then you're right behind me. So I sped up, and you're right behind me. <laughs> and he finally he. Yeah, he like blows a corner a little bit, and I blew it behind him too. We were both kind of like blew it, but yeah. um, he's that, like, damn, that, dude. He's like, you just. I'm the one that made him want a Harley because I stuck with him through the canyons on it. He was like, I didn't know it would do that, and I was like, I'm comfortable on it. I put yeah. good tires on it, yeah. and it was fun. That's but, the one thing that I, I always think too is that it doesn't really matter what you're on because everybody. It's not so much Harleys, it's the old greasy riders that I don't yeah. like. Because it doesn't matter what you ride, you can be an asshole on anything, but yeah. it's just like those old guys that only like cruisers, they don't even like all Harleys, but yeah. they, they won't buy anything but Harley. And it's like, no dude, I've seen some dudes do some legit shit on yeah. some bikes, and, and for me, it's the lean angle. The lean angle is uh -huh. like, if you can get over that and find your way around it, yeah, you can carve up, mm -hmm. do what you did. and. and just, I think canyon carving too. It's not about straightaway speed. Yeah. It's about, and it's not about corner entry. You, you get in kind of fast. You lean it over where it's nice and comfortable, and then you just kind of roll on, and then you come out, and there are long sweepers out there, you know. And it's like it's having a good time of being kind of safe because I feel like canyons can be super sketchy. Yeah, yeah. Um. So the Harley was like it was super good for that. You yeah. Know? I went through a canyon two up with my girlfriend on the back. 
catching dudes in full leathers on sport bikes. Yeah. Um, just, and I was like, I'm comfortable on the bike, and I, yeah. she was good on it, and we were just kind of ripping, and it was fun. That's rad. Um, That's rad. I'm with you, though, on that. Like, just buying a Ducati, I'm super nervous because I ride uh, all my gears icon, plug in the sponsors. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm like, I'm not, I don't have Dayton Easy leathers and what's a fancy Italian helmet? AGVs? Oh, uh, yeah, they AGVs. You know, like, I'm like, or Schubert's fucking yeah. $1,200 helmet. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to run my Icon variant on this Ducati Monster I have because I think it'll be rad on a naked bike. And uh, whatever. Like, so the Ducati people, will, yeah. I'm sure they'll flick their nose or whatever. Because <laughs> it's not all Italian. Yeah. yeah, dude. I'll go shred the edges of the tires up, have a good time, and uh, who cares? Yeah. It's, no, I, I love it. And I, I love going up Beep. a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really go up. I mean, I do once in a while I'll go up the two but up to Newcombs or whatever but that's just like nobody well I feel like nobody knows about it's like a yeah. secret little hideout and I yeah. go up there and it's chill, now we dude. told everyone well everyone in Wisconsin's gonna know about beep boop beep the fun one I've been up that one a, a decent amount beep and beep is a good time yeah and it is it's not super crowded um, especially if you can go during the week it's rad dude and I seen dudes on sport bikes up there that were super like you said super chill yeah. Doing it fast, but doing it smooth. And on the two, everyone's doing fucking wheelies. They're doing like 150 up there. The two, the two reminds me of like Ortega. And this is part of where the Harley came into fun too. Stuff like Ortega Highway and the two, these long sweepers that you can get in set on a, on a Dyna and you can be cruising 60, 65, way faster than a speed limit. But to have a lot of fun on a sport bike on it, you're doing like 90. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Right. And I'm like, I don't need to be in the middle of a canyon with no runoff and a huge drop off <laughs> and, and cops cars and everything and, cop, and cars right. doing 100, 110 just to get my bike cleaned over because it's these open sweepers. Yeah. Where the Harley was honestly like more fun in yeah. those those regards. Yeah. Now beep. They're like tight, slow corners. Yeah. So. Yeah, I didn't. You're right. And and uh, I top speed fuck my bike only does like 80 probably yeah. it's a little 250 and uh doing it at the limit for that thing feels like you're doing 130 yeah. but it's like it's as fast as that thing will go through them and it just it's just as fun and it's a little safer because you're not doing 130 around the corners yeah in, into the peloton which was up there all the bike the bicycle riding i don't yeah. know there must be a race or something but i've seen i don't a lot of people love to ride bicycles up the two yeah and i ride bicycles and i'm like i don't know if i want to ride up this thing man it's <laughs> no, it's beautiful but there's just so much traffic so much shit going on yeah um, it's, it's and it's a little steep yeah <laughs> i'm i'm acquiring i'm purchasing my grandfather's 1946 plymouth and i'm like super stoked to drive that up the two. yeah oh yeah and i'm like dude that thing's gonna go it's gonna be a turd yeah but i just i'm like i don't care like there won't be any traffic and i can just kind of cruise it like this old old 71 year old car yeah bump steer and like yeah, yeah. Dude, just no power steering no yeah. power brakes three speed um and like that's what the two like makes me think of yeah it's like cruising you know and even on a harley like and it, it's funny, like, I'll go up, like, with the, the wife and get passed by other Harleys, and it's like, whatever. Yeah. I'm over those. I don't know if I'm over those days totally, but. Not with, not with her on the back. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she gets mad. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I can't do that on the 250. Like, sometimes I can, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, yeah. no. But it's fun. Like, that mix. I think small bikes and canyons are a good time. Yeah. Um, they're definitely, you can kind of get them leaned over, and, and Dude. it's all, like, corner momentum. Yeah. Because I have a bigger bikes too, and they're not as fun. It's almost like you, 
you have to work more to have just as yeah. much fun. You know what I mean? You have to pay way more attention and worry about way, what you're doing way more than you do just like it's easy. It's real easy on a big bike to get yourself in a bad situation. Yeah. Real oh quick. yeah. Yeah. And up in a canyon, there's not a lot of room to be in a bad situation. No. Um, even a lot of racetracks, Willow. There's not a lot of runoff at Willow. You, know, you can go to Chuck Walla. Well, when I went, it was new. Um, so I don't know what it's like now, but you could run off the edge of the track and it was pretty smooth. Do you road race too a little bit then? Or? No, I did. Uh, I was doing a lot of supermoto racing. Oh, okay. And then I would oh. do a little bit of track days. Yeah. Um, it didn't transfer as good as I was hoping though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the road racing has always been. Um, I think more so when I was a kid, it was like the what I wanted to do, like. I mean, who my age didn't, first of all, see Nikki Hayden just right. killing it. And I think, you know, I think at, at a younger age, like, the full leather, knee-down sport bike, just, it's super appealing to people, you know? Um, and I get it. Like, to me, it was super appealing then, too. So I wanted to do some of that. I definitely, like, with my new duck, I want to take it to the track a little bit. I haven't been in a while. Like, it's a good experience. I think it's a good good for anyone to get a chance to go to a track get cars out of your way get you know some stuff out of get some like everyday obstacles out of your way and learn yeah. your motorcycle and learn your limits um creep up on it you know you don't have to go out in full throttle first day but you creep up you get fast or you get comfortable um and you have a good time like get rid of your chicken strips i love going to bike nights and dudes are talking about their new exhaust and their new this and then their tires got like three inch wide chicken strips. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I, I took my time and money and I scrubbed my tires in. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know, that's like the weird kind of rider I guess I've always been, so. Yeah. And did you, so you used to, did you ride Supermoto or you raced or you still have one? Uh, no, I sold it a while back. If I didn't sell it, it'd probably be a flat track bike now. Yeah. Um, I did race it a little bit though. We were racing at Qualcomm at the time, Apex. Oh shit, yeah. yeah it was right before the like War Series started. Or is that what it is? Wars? Western? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? That My buddy and his wife, uh, Tim Johnson, used to, um, they did like scooter and vintage races with okay, that pig yeah. piggybacking off of the Supermoto because it hasn't been there for a few years, right? Right, been, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was doing, I was racing Supermoto and the idea was I couldn't afford to go road racing. So it was yeah. like a super cheap alternative. Dude, you, know, you could low side the bike, tires lasted a year. Um, what I really ate up was leathers, like all the low sides, like oh, two yeah. or three leathers. But the bike was fine, so it was I was like super cool. Where you take a full sport bike to the track and tumble at once, uh, like yeah, it's, dude, done. just the fairings are a few yeah. thousand bucks. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing I love about supermotos, eh? That they race them on dirt and uh, a street, like in the same yeah. same lap. But B, that they're kind of made to. You know, if you don't like totally cartwheel it, they're yeah. made to kind of go down and come up, and and you can't do that on a sport bike no, whatsoever. Um, and then that's one thing I've, I've never done, but I, I that's another thing I love is supermoto. Uh, just watching people flow and watching people, yeah. uh, you know, jump and fucking slide and on tarmac and shit, yeah. just like you would see like on a dirt bike. But then throwing the knee down, it's like, you're yeah. like, whoa. So yeah, I rode mine with a knee out a lot because yeah. I was what I wanted to do and then as I got better it was just what I was doing yeah yeah and I was never good with the dirt bike leg out yeah and even now if you watch my flat track I it was commonly it's getting better but it, my left leg is commonly referred to as the kook leg and um, <laughs> I don't know it's it hangs out all weird but it's just what I do and it works for yeah me. Um, find your style man yeah for sure hey we're gonna wrap up 
with uh, Mr. Chris Wiggins here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Chris. Is there, you want to plug anything? Or? Oh, I should, absolutely. If they've, if they've lasted 120 minutes of me, dude, they're going to be all over my shit now. We'll, we'll edit it down just to 20, don't worry. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I should always plug Speed Merchant. They've been super good. Um, just good quality dudes. And in the Harley industry, that's hard to find, man. Quality people making quality products in the United States, being passionate about what they do. Um, icons, you guys are moto stuff. Uh, and you, if you know you want to support people who are supporting other people, check out Icon. Everyone knows who Icon is. Icon 1000, like they're big in the stunt, they're big in the street bike stuff. Um, they've been supporting us. They built some rad. Uh, they built some rad dude bikes out of the ugliest motorcycles possible. <laughs> yeah. Who takes an old katana and makes it look that good? Yeah. I can't, I, like, in my mind, it doesn't work, and I love that bike, and I, every time I'm there, I try to steal it or ride it or something, and they won't let me yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I guess you should always check out my Instagram, too. It's, uh, wig09, when you spell out zero, because I'm a, I told you already I was a weirdo. So, um, and because my bike number is 09, and I spelled it out instead of putting the number zero. So, and then Speed Merchants Instagram stuff, too. That's probably about it for plugs. All right, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed this show. I sure as hell enjoyed hanging out a lot with Chris. Um, go check out episode, I want to say, 41, Noise. You can hear uh, Scott from uh, Noise Cycles screaming at Chris for revving up his little two-stroke in the background. Uh, hey, check it out. Wig09, W-I-G-G-09 on Instagram. I said it once, I'll say it again. He's racing tonight in Arizona. Battle for the Buckeye. Uh, check out Speed Merchant. A big shout-out to Rusty Butcher. You guys, go check out Rusty Butcher on Instagrams, on the YouTubes, on the Facebooks, everywhere, you know, everywhere you get your social media stuff. Rusty Butcher is the one that put on Tracker Cross, and Rusty Butcher has has just been launching forward uh, ever since a couple years ago when I first even saw them at an Ivy League event. Just been killing it. Killing it on the daily. So check out Rusty Butcher. Check out Chris Wiggins. uh, Support your local hooligan. And if you enjoyed this show, please leave us a review in iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Pocket Cast, you know, anywhere you get your podcast just leave us a review i'll try to find it if you have an email or you want to contact the show for a show idea you can reach us at creative writing podcast at gmail.com that's writing not writing with a w come on folks and hope to see you out there peace and grease And for the stock wheel bike class, we got Jake Ross, who I believe gets a buy on the next ra- uh, run of ra- on the next run of rounds. That makes a lot of sex. Oh my god! I would like to bait. Ah! But it's right. It, it's making a huge. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, also, I don't know where you'll hear it. Obviously, the wind is crazy out here at night. Forgot my protection today. <laughs> what an idiot! Goldmeyer called Chris. Uh, Goldfinger called Chris off. Yeah, but they're literally shaking and baking here. It's, it's windy. Yeah. You know what? Next, the next time we meet up, too, we'll. Uh, I'll. I definitely want to. Where do you commute from? I I live over All there. Right. Uh, Irwindale Speedway. We'll plug sort your of. event. Jesus, I can't even hear myself. 
we'll plug your event. Wilson, he wouldn't have liked having somebody's headless head <laughs> in in his stomach there. So that was My throat's getting dry with this wind. And yeah, you've been talking man. for an hour and twenty one minutes, dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> See, I told you I could. Bull- <laughs>